my church or his kingdom. And tonight we're going to be in the first chapter of the book of Acts. Oh, Esteban's been feeling the Holy Ghost lately. Amen. Last couple Sundays, he's been getting with it through the worship and the preaching. <laughs> We're only going to read a, a few verses in here. God smacked me right upside my noggin in this one. I like to, I love having the Bible on audio. Go about my chores during the day. I can put a book on it and just have it repeat. And then what's cool is you can be off doing something, not even actively listening, and that word will get down inside of you anyway. Uh, I want to give you one verse I want you to remember about the kingdom of God. And uh, this one's found in 1 Corinthians 4 and 20. You can write it down, or you can, uh, sooner or later, you're going to highlight, circle it, and do all kinds of stuff to it, because this is how you can authenticate the kingdom of God. This one verse. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. I like that verse because it makes it easy to eliminate the counterfeits. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. So that means places that, that talk about what God doesn't do anymore or talk about all the things that God doesn't do in the church anymore, doesn't do in the world anymore, uh, they are denying the power of the gospel. And you can be somewhere where there's a really good speaker who can use the words to really get your attention. You can feel emotion really good. You can have wonderful worshipers. Uh, you can get goosebumps a whole nine yards. But if you're ever somewhere where uh, healing is taught, but then no one has the opportunity to be healed or deliverance is taught, but no one ever has the opportunity to come up front and be delivered. If you're ever in a situation like that where the response is not requested, where the opportunity to respond to the word that's been shared is not there, then you know you're in a place that is word and not power. You follow me? It, the kingdom of God is not just in word, but it is in power. That means there's going to be an opportunity to apply what it is that is shared, but you're also going to see it happen, right? You're going to see the power of God. That is the authentic kingdom of God. We cannot authenticate a place being in the kingdom of God even just because they share our message. We cannot authenticate a place uh, being in the kingdom of God because they share our love of the same scriptures. Now, what I mean by that is, is there are plenty of places that teach Jesus' name baptism in Acts 2.38, but there's never any altars that are open. Uh, worship, there's never, if someone starts to get with it during the worship, uh, they get sat down, they get told, uh, we don't do that here, they're not allowed. And by getting with it, I, I, I love what we do, and we're building towards something, but by getting with it, I'm talking about getting out in the aisle. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm talking about people get out in the aisle and march around the sanctuary with a tambourine. Yeah. Uh -huh. I'm talking about flat getting with it. There are a lot of places where that kind of demonstration is not allowed, okay? So we cannot just think we can authenticate a place as being in the kingdom of God because they have the message of being born again of the water and spirit. 
I know that's some thick stuff, and we'll deal with that in greater detail later. But tonight, what I want to talk to you about is I want to talk to you about a greater kingdom. And it's Acts chapter 1. I want to talk to you about a greater kingdom, okay? A greater kingdom. It's going to be important for us as we become kingdom conscious to not lose sight of the fact, uh, not lose sight of the difference between the kingdom of God that we're in and the kingdom of this world. And it's easy to happen. And I'm going to show you something here um, that I'm sure will bring it out like it did for me. Uh, only this one really, it, this one hurt. Uh, we know the author is Luke, and he's writing uh, to his pal, Theophilus, and he says, the former treaties have I made of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. And he's referring to the, the gospel named after him that he wrote. And he said he wrote about in that one until the day in which Jesus was taken up. After he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Okay, so imagine this, if you will. Three and a half years of ministry, hands-on teaching and training and equipping and you still have to gather your disciples together to give them some more commandments. Now, you know good and well, it's not because Jesus forgot something in that three and a half years. He's not like us where we spend time together and we're trying to teach something or we're trying to grasp something as a group where whoever the teacher is might go home thinking, man, you know what I should have said? And any of you guys that ever shared word, you know you can have those thoughts come through your mind. You know what? I ever teach that again. Next time, I'm going to say it like this, right? Well, you know, Jesus didn't have that problem, okay? But still yet, after his resurrection, he had to spend 40 days with his disciples in what I refer to as a master class, but he had to give them more commandments. Now, check this out, and we're going to see why. These Apostles whom he had chosen, it says that he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. That means he did it so many different ways that nobody could deny that he was really alive. Nobody could deny it, right? Infallible. You couldn't debunk it. Being seen of them 40 days. Now look what he talked to them about. 40 days. And his subject, the kingdom of God. He spent 40 days speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now look. If God Almighty in the flesh had to spend 40 days or could spend 40 days talking about the kingdom of God, there is no way we could exhaust this topic. There is no way we can learn everything there is to learn about this kingdom of God. If Jesus spent 40 days and every day was on things pertaining to the kingdom of God, well, we could spend 40 of these Wednesday nights together talking about different things of the kingdom of God and come nowhere near getting to the bottom of the kingdom of God. Now, notice he spent three and a half years. What was he, he was doing for three and a half years anyway? Teaching them about the kingdom of God. So now he's got 40 more days to do it. And we're going we're gonna to see why right here. Watch this. And being assembled together with them, commanded them, that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Now, these are the commandments that Luke referred to in verse number two when he's telling Theophilus that after uh, the Holy Ghost, that he spoke through the Holy Ghost and he had given commandments that Jesus went up, but before he did, he had given the commandments. And verse number four, he's explaining what those commandments were that Jesus gave before his ascension. And the commandment was, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Look. There's one section of scripture in one of the gospels where it says, and Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Ghost, okay? 
So right here in this spot right now, Jesus could have said, you know what, skip that, and just poured out the Holy Ghost right then. But God had a perfect timing and a perfect, perfect purpose for everything, right? So his commandment to them was to go to Jerusalem and wait. For John, wait for the promise of the Father. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, so what Luke is saying now is, look, when they came together for this reason, okay, to receive these commandments from Jesus, when they therefore were come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? I can see Jesus in my mind's eye putting both hands in his hair and just pulling. Ah! I trusted this with you guys. You read in the gospel several times where he said, how long am I going to be with you guys? Tired of you knuckleheads. Here he is telling them to go to Jerusalem and wait. And then if they'll go to Jerusalem and wait, they're going to get the Holy Ghost. And the first question out of their mouth is like, oh, that's going to be awesome, Jesus. Thank you. They don't do none of that. They don't say, well, man, what, what's then? Is that what you've been telling us about all this time? That's not the first thing on their mind. The first thing on their mind is the condition of their country. The condition of their government. Jesus is being kingdom. He's been talking for 40 days. This is day 40, Jimmy. Yeah. And for 40 days, he's been talking kingdom, 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 kingdom. He gets to the end of 40 days, which is after three and a half years of kingdom, 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 kingdom. And then he tells them, all right, look, I'm just going to tell you this. This is a commandment. If you don't do it, I'm going to kill you all. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, which you've heard of me. Just go and wait there, will you? And what do they say? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Are you going to get these Romans out of here? Are you going to get those Democrats out of office? Are you going to redo the vote count and get our real president in the White House? <laughs> yeah, that's what God did with the baseball bat to me today. Because all the time I've ever read this, I thought, man, how thick-headed were those apostles? How thick-headed were they? I mean, seriously. What kind of boneheads do they have to be? Here God is giving them the power of the kingdom of God and going to fill them with the Holy Ghost. And they're not worried about all the souls out there. They're not worried about the kingdom of God. All they want to know is, are you going to get this oppressive government up off of us? Yeah. Uh, ouch. <laughs> now, we're told to pray for our country and for our leaders so it'll be well with us. That's common sense, right? We should do that. But these guys were obsessed with it. Somehow, they linked the condition of the government in their country with the, the probability of the success of the kingdom of God. Do you see? They connected the two things together. It was one in their mind. Jesus is saying kingdom of God and the disciples are saying kingdom of Israel. And guess what's happening right here? Jesus is separating the kingdom of God from the people of Israel. This is what this is all about because pretty soon Cornelius' house is going to get it. And pretty soon there's going to be a church in all these heathen countries and the Gentiles like us are coming in. So this whole thing is about Jesus trying to tell them this ain't your kingdom no more boy I'm giving it to everybody but if they had been ingrained in their brain all this time that the kingdom of God, well, that's the kingdom of Israel. Well, guess what? The church has always been, that's America. That's the American church. Well, if we're going to have revival, it's going to be in America. If we're going to have awakening, it's going to be in America. 
You know, America is one nation under God. But guess what? The whole world's under God. That ain't no big deal, is it? Right. Anybody can say that. And you know, those who don't say it really are still under God. So you see the mentality? And this is a mentality that I have been guilty of. Now look, there's a difference between being aware of the darkness and the evil. But the danger comes when we start to relate the probability of the success of the kingdom of God with whatever evil condition our government is in. They are nothing to do with each other. One is God, one is man. One is supernatural, one is carnal. One is eternal, one is temporary. They are not the same. As a matter of fact, historically, down through the ages since the church was born in Acts chapter 2, the greatest revivals in the world came when? Not when people were free and enjoyed all their liberties. It's when they were being crushed and bruised and murdered and assassinated for their faith. And the church was on fire and spread like wildfire. (laughs) So while we need to pray for our government and our country, we really do. While we need to keep doing all that, we got to separate this. The kingdom of God is not about America. America and the kingdom of God are separate things. Now, do we all want to see the kingdom of God flood America? Yes, we do. And we're going to continue to aggravate God about that because I would love to see that happen. But guess what? The condition of America has nothing to do with the condition of the kingdom of God. Two different kingdoms. In an American's mind, though, it's one. Now, here's one thing, too. This one occurred to me today and it almost caused my hair to catch on fire. You can live in a free country and be oppressed. If, if all this evil gets prayed out everywhere and we get all our liberties back, you know what? That's probably going to hinder revival. That's what's sad. That will probably hinder revival. Why? Because we got it made in the shade. What are all the warnings from God in the Bible about it? It ain't about, hey, when you're hurting and you're having hard times, remember me. No, no. It's like, hey, when you got it made in the shade and you're living in houses you didn't build, drinking water out of wells you didn't dig, and having a harvest from a crop you didn't sow, don't forget me then. So it may be that all these things, though, I do want to see them leave, and I hope to God they do. But guess what? Them leaving might be the opposite effect than what we want to see happen for eternity in people's lives. And somehow we've got to come to terms with that. So you can live in a free country and be completely oppressed. But guess what? You can live in an oppressed country and be completely free. You see? It doesn't matter the level of oppression that the government brings. That's not going to hinder freedom. We can be free. If they can be free in China, we can be free with a democratic government in the United States of America. Two different kingdoms. The American kingdom is not the kingdom of God. Two different animals. When they were therefore come together, therefore, that means because of this. Because of what? Because Jesus had to tell them, go to Jerusalem. You're going to get the Holy Ghost, turn the world upside down. First thing they said, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Jesus sent his patience. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Uh, that's King James for that's none of your business. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to bring something to your attention. Not only did 
Israel not get free, it got worse. The stones on the walls got torn down again. The temple got destroyed. It was a couple generations later, they're scattered throughout all the world, didn't even have a nation of their own. So these guys living in their country want what's best for the country, of course. But Jesus, he told them, ain't none of your business. If it hadn't been, I don't know what they would have done. They might have quit. If they'd have known it was going to be thousands of years until they would get their nation back. Thousands of years. Oh, look, guys. No, not only is the Romans not going to leave, but they're going to get whooped by somebody else. All y'all's going to get whooped. You're going to get scattered all the world. Hitler's going to murder millions of you in gas chambers. And then something good's going to happen. I'm glad some things aren't my business, aren't you? So I need to bring this to your attention, though. It ain't none of our business when America's going to turn back. Right. It's not even any of our business if America's never going to turn back. You know what our business is? Kingdom business. Mm -hmm. What our business is, is if things get darker, if things get harder... Our light is going to shine the brighter as these divisions grow stronger and we love people that third parties have told that we're going to hate them just because of what we believe and we meet them and we don't hate on them. Something's going to click because there is an awakening occurring among the heathen in society. And please understand by heathen, I don't mean Vikings. I just mean people ain't serving God, okay? I don't mean that in a derisive manner, but they're heathen in the eyes of God. And the heathen are having an awakening Mm -hmm. in the midst of this persecution, in the midst of oppression, in the midst of our rights being taken away like never before. They're two different kingdoms. And our kingdom is all powerful. And it's on fire. People are looking for God now that have never looked before. I say this all the time. I know, can't help it, ain't going to try to help it. But in 30 years, I've never had anybody come in the church and say, my life's going so great, i got to serve God, preacher. Not one. But I can't count the people that have come in in scores and by the hundreds and had terrible stuff going on who came to God and God just totally turned their life around, man. And today they're living amazing lives because they're two different kingdoms. So Jesus said, ain't none of your business. That was a hard one for me to swallow. Ain't none of my business if or when America is going to turn around. None of my business. My job's the same. Our job description's the same. Yes. Mm. Look at this. Jesus redirects them. I'm glad to see people that need redirecting. It gives me hope for myself. <laughs> Here Jesus says, go to Jerusalem away from the promise of Father, which I told you. Don't leave there till you get it. Are you going to give our government back? Uh. That's none of your business. And then he comes back again and redirects them. But you shall receive power. See? See that? Now he had to bring up the power. First, in verse number four, all he told them was it's a promise. But then in verse number eight, he's like, these guys still ain't getting it. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That power is not hindered by an oppressive government. Right. 
That power is not hindered by losing our liberties in our carnal world that we live in. It's not hindered at all. That power knows no limitations. The only limitation it has is the price I'm willing to pay to wield it. Yes. Period. If I want to have authority over every demon in existence, I have to be willing to push the plate away. If I'm willing to push the plate away, it don't matter what kind of demon it is, if I tell it to go in Jesus' name, it's got to go. There ain't even no discussion in my door. I'm going to shut my door and walk back in my house. See you later, dude. You got nothing in here. Right. <clears throat> so the power of the kingdom of God, every bit of it is available to us with no limit just like the gifts were, the Bible says God is divided to everybody severally as he will. That means people run around talking about, do I have a gift or I don't have one? It's like, hold up, you're right, you ain't got one. You got several. Several. We just haven't tapped into them yet. You know what makes people tap into things and talents and abilities they never had before? When they get pushed out of their comfort zone. You know what oppression does? Pushes you out of your comfort zone. You know what getting liberties taken away from a person does? Pushes us out of our comfort zone. The comfort zone is the most dangerous place to be. Yep. I don't find any scripture anywhere that says, Woe unto them that are under persecution. Woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. At ease. Comfort. On their ivory beds, stretching themselves. Woe to them. Because we go to sleep. We slumber. Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost come upon you. And he tells them, look, get your mind back on the kingdom. You shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, look at this. This makes it even worse. Here these guys are wondering what's going to happen to Israel. Can we have our country back? Can we have our president back? Can we have our Congress back? Can we have it back? And Jesus is like, you guys are going to get power to be witnesses, and you're not even going to stay in Jerusalem. I'm glad you got an affection for your country, but I got a job for you that's going to take you far away from your hometown, homeboy. Right. <laughs> uttermost part of the earth. Look at this. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. Yeah, I guess he was. He was like, there ain't no more I can say these guys are either going to get this or they ain't. Three and a half years, 40 more days, last conversation, his last words that he spoke here. Just go, will you? And you're going to get power to be a witness. Power to be a witness. That's what the power is for. Power to be a witness. What, what an amazing Savior. He, he, he made the gift of the Holy Ghost available to us so it could empower us, yes. So it could break chains for us, yes. But He gave it to us so it would give us power to be a witness. And that doesn't mean that every time we're opening our mouth, the Holy Ghost is going to give us just mind-blowing words to say. That's not what it means. But when the Holy Ghost changes your life, and you used to be somebody that was anxiety-ridden all the time, or somebody that was depressed all the time and wouldn't draw another... Okay, good. Wouldn't open any of the window shades, right? You never let the sun shine in and face it with a grin. And then you get the Holy Ghost, and you come to God, and all of a sudden everything changes. The people you work with, you're going to be like, whoa, what happened to you? People in your family be like, whoa, what happened to you, man? And that's the power to be a witness right there. Because that power changes us and somebody's going to ask what happened to you. 
<laughs> Two different kingdoms. Jesus gets done with them and he leaves. I'm out. He was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. He didn't want to look at him anymore. <laughs> and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, now here, see, look, they're, they're still, they're, they still don't have the kingdom perspective. Jesus is gone. I know that had to have been an amazing thing, but they've been watching amazing things for three and a half years. He's long gone. They can't see him. They're all just... What happened? Like, what are you doing? What are, what are you doing? He just told you what to do. So look what happens. While they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. And these men say, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? What are you looking at? What's wrong with you guys? Jesus is gone. He's got to send angels back just to... Whoa. Be careful from slides and glide. I can go from slides to glides real quick. So Jesus is just with them. And then here comes two angels like, you guys, please. Look, it's what he said. This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. In other words, quit looking up. <coughs> now I know the scripture says look up for your redemption draweth nigh. That's not what these guys are doing. Right. These guys are standing there like, what are we going to do now? He just told you what to do now. Yeah. Last verse. Then. Then. <laughs> then return they to Jerusalem. Then, after Jesus spends 40 days, after he commands them, the last commandment he ever gave them, go to Jerusalem. They're all standing there watching. Here comes the angels. What are you doing? <laughs> then they go to Jerusalem. The reason why is because even after all the teaching and all the time with the king of the kingdom, they still did not have the kingdom perspective. They were still, look, you can't help it. Man, that'd be like living where we live and having soldiers from another country in the Walmart. Soldiers from another country out in our neighborhood with rifles. Their, their country was overrun with Romans, man. They would beat these guys for nothing. They didn't care about these people. They hated the Jews. So that would be like our country having a foreign army inside of it, controlling the, where we go, how we go, what we can do, when we can do it, where we can do it. It would be on your mind all the time. So it's easy to understand how it saturated their every thought and their every attitude. But what Jesus is trying to do right here is make a separation that there is a difference between the kingdom you live in and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has no oppression. The kingdom of God cannot be hindered by the kingdom you live in. And now, here we are over 2,000 years later, and all we got to do is Google it. Christian persecution over the years. Countries that have tried to stamp out Christianity, and Google will pull it up. They've been trying to stamp it out for thousands of years, and it don't work. So today... What my prayer is for us is that we would start to consciously make the separation in our way of thinking, our way of perceiving current events that are going on around us, to, to consciously make that 
that separation between kingdom I live in, kingdom of God. Now, we, do we call out the evil of the kingdom we live in? Yes, we do. We better. That's what we're supposed to do. Yes, we do. But we don't allow that to make us think this kingdom of God is going to slow down one little bit. As a matter of fact, and you can mark this down and put the date next to it that I said it, what we're going to see happen real soon is the kingdom of God's growth is going to accelerate. There are going to be more people looking. First, they're going to look for God, but then they're going to look for truth in God. Because when they come somewhere, they're already going to know, even though they've never read the verse, they're going to know that the kingdom of God is not in word only, but in power. And when they go somewhere looking for that power and they don't find it, they're going to keep moving until they do. Because these people will have already been through all the corruption in our worldly kingdom to make their way to understand there's freedom and liberty. And that's what's going to lead them to the consciousness that there must be an almighty God. That's what's going to happen. So I'd like all of us to start today to pray for each other that we would make that separation in our minds and that we would even develop the mindset, this sounds radical, to develop the mindset that says, the worse the kingdom out here gets, the more I'm going to be looking for God's kingdom to show itself out here. The more I'm going to expect to run into little girls in the checkout line, the more I'm going to expect to run into people in our community or on the job that are looking for God, because that's the way that it works. When the worldly kingdom gets harsh, God's kingdom shines bright. People look for it and they find it. And that's us. That's us. That makes sense? Amen. So just let me say this. I'm going to pray and then we'll quit. Having said all that, I will continue to call out everything that I see and I will continue to preach every single thing that God gives me. I'm not going to stop doing that ever again. But when I do, I'm going to do it with a realization that for that side of the, the level, there's a much more powerful one over here. And we've got to have the right attitude and the right perspective when it starts because it's going to start. Lord, I thank you, Father, for your people. I thank you for your word. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me for every time that I thought of those apostles of being thick-headed and thought somehow I wasn't. Today, Father, I ask you, Lord, to help us to, to develop, consciously work on developing a perspective that recognizes the difference between the worldly kingdom that we live in and the kingdom of God. Lord, it's easy for me as an American, when I think of all things good, I, I think of America. When I think of, of the power of God and revival, in my mind, it's going to happen in America first. It's going to be here but Father, your kingdom is all over the world. And the condition of the kingdom of America has no bearing. It will not hinder. It will not slow down. It will not even halt the work of God that you have ordained for thousands of years to take place. So I pray now, Father, that when those around us are, are caught up in anger, that our anger would have a different tone that it wouldn't have an anger of a tone of despair, or a tone of discouragement or depression or, or frustration or futility, 
but it ha would have a tone of truth, a tone of hope, a tone of the knowledge that it doesn't matter how dark it gets outside, your light is always going to shine bright. And there is hope. There is a lighthouse. There is a safe harbor. There is a kingdom of God. And you are a father who pleases to give us good things, Lord. So I plead the blood of Jesus over, over all the families in our church family. I ask your father to help us, Lord, as we walk through this kingdom of America. Let there be something in our face, in our eyes, in our voice, in the way we treat people, in the way we conduct ourselves, God, that would just speak of hope, that would speak of love, God. And Lord, I thank you, Father. Thank you for faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for the gifts and talents that are in the people of God, that, that this weekend, Lord, that somebody walking into the bridge service, they're not gonna miss a single thing. There's not gonna be one thing missing from that plate. There's not going to be one benefit of the kingdom of God that won't be there. And I thank you for people that are willing to fulfill their function in the kingdom, God. And I ask you to honor that. I ask you, Lord, to let the worship catch on fire. Let the word be on fire, God. Lord, that it would break through the barriers that people might put over their hearts, God. That it would discern the thoughts and the intents of the hearts of the people that are there. And that it would speak hope and love and life and power, God. And I ask you to keep your hand upon all of us until we can all come together again. And ask it for your glory, and everybody said in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.